Hey students, before we get started with the show, I wanted to ask for your help. I'm currently producing my third term film, The Editor, which will be my final project at the Harold Ramis Film School, and I'm fundraising to cover some of the costs of the production. I would love it if you would check out my Indiegogo at igg.me slash at slash the editor film, uh, which you can also just click on in the notes for today's show. And donate if you can, but even if you can't, please share the link on your social media accounts. I would very much appreciate it. All right, cue the music. Welcome to episode 40 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. My guest this week is Matt Haas from The Yellow Cohort. We discuss directing versus showrunning for TV, Matt's upcoming show at The Second City, and the amazing schedule of guest speakers we have lined up for this week at HRFS. On with the show. I, uh, I actually went to the first open house for the Harold Ramis Film School and uh, wanted to apply from that moment, but I didn't feel like I had uh, material that was good enough to get me into this prestigious school. Okay. So I, I started working on my craft and trying to get better at it. And uh, course was that, was that filmmaking? Was that stand-up? Was that... Uh, th- Filmmaking, that was when I was, I did a little bit of improv at the time, but mostly filmmaking, and I was trying to get my improv troupe to do all of my acting mm-hmm. for it, and uh, people don't like to act for free, <laughs> so it was... This is a, a recurring problem for yeah, most of us. It, it was hard to get them to show up all the time, so eventually I got some like practice films done and some things that I was happy with and then I started working on my Harold Ramis application. Yeah. And uh when I when I finally sent one in I got accepted that time. What was what was in your application? I did a VH1 behind the music parody. Okay. About uh an eighties rock band called Tyrannosaurus Sex. Okay. And uh the lead singer overdoses uh because of his pudding addiction <laughs> and it's like a, a look back like there's older people playing the surviving band members yeah and they like talk about the good old days and stuff like that <laughs> okay and what'd you who'd you do uh, were they still doing um for the writing sample did you still have to write about your comedic influences that's what mine was yeah i we had three options that we could choose from and i kind of cheated and took like an essay i was in a film class at the time and i took an essay from that and like transformed it a little bit like an essay i'd got like a 99 percent or something on i was really happy with it and uh i transformed a little bit of the essay to into the prompt that they wanted yeah and pretty much i just shit on parody films can i swear yeah absolutely. yeah i just i just shit on parody films because they fucking suck yeah like not all of them obviously like i'm a huge mel brooks fan and uh like it it peaks at scary movie for me okay and mel, mel brooks also gets into that's like parody satire combo like because yeah. the i mean especially like blazing saddles is brilliant and there's so but so much of it is just the satire and the parodies just thrown in for like extra little easy jokes along the way true true um yeah it's that that straight up parody film that's like let's make a movie and then put movie at the end of the title (laughs) and then squeeze 40 movie references in somehow yeah (laughs) and that's the plot of the film 
So <laughs> that's that's what my essay was about. Were you were you so you said you went to the first open house? Are you from this area originally, or I'm from Southwest Michigan, and I I honestly can't even remember how the information came to me. Maybe it was an email. Uh, I had recently seen my first show at Second City. I had, like come out here from Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, again it was like the same time that I had started doing improv in Michigan at Community College, and. Uh, did a little bit of sketch writing and some filmmaking and stuff like that at a really beginner stage. Yeah. And uh, came out to Second City because I was just then discovering, like, oh, people from Saturday Night Live used to do improv. Mm. That's They're connected and yeah. things like that. So I came and saw a show, and within a, a matter of, like, two months, I'm not certain how, but I found out about the open house and came out for it. Gotcha. That's and it's, it's like Saturday Night Live. Is that like, like kind of your your path? Do you want to be the performer creator or? Um, I'm I'm much more of a writer in my head. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I I struggle with like I enjoy acting. It's fun. I enjoy improv a lot more than like acting. Right. So uh, I don't think so. I think if I wound up on SNL and I had a choice, I would rather just write maybe do like some update bits or something like that yeah. rather than like doing on like a week worth of yeah makeup costume is your sensibility learning. more towards like sketch and that sort of thing or do you tend to be like longer form longer form yeah i do enjoy sketch writing a lot but um i right now i'm focusing a lot of my energy towards practicing long form writing mm-hmm. like writing for series and features nice have you uh started like uh ideas for a final project because i'd heard you you all have to start pitching soon for uh, for what you would want to do for like a final written project uh-huh and it's scary it is <laughs> i can it's, see the fear on your face now yeah <laughs> <laughs> we we had uh the fisher quick pitch day yeah and jim fisher second city alumni uh came in and he discussed with us our our pitches and gave us some tips and things like that and I made the very rookie mistake in my pitch of not saying at the beginning, this is a series. Mm -hmm. So I pitched my idea and he was giving me solutions that I just, I didn't feel like they fit. And I I didn't think I was getting what I needed out of this thing. And I was a little disappointed. And like 10, 15 minutes later, somebody else pitched something that I knew was a series, but he then called it a feature. So I raised my hand and I was like, Hey, to clarify between the two of you, you're talking about a series, right? But you're talking about a feature? Yeah. And then Kat let it be known uh, that we we should say that at the beginning of the pitch. Yeah, like yeah. what you, Before you say your idea, say what your idea is. It's uh, the There's a lot here that's kind of meant to give you just enough rope to hang yourself. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> where <laughs> you're, you're going to make the mistake, but there's there's no way to prepare you for every every possibility ahead mm-hmm. of time you just kind of have to make the mistake and like that's why it's a school like just make the mistake get it over with and move on uh yeah. when i did the the fisher we did the fisher workshop that was together it was cyan and magenta grouped together for it and one of my classmates like because i did my pitch for what i'm what i actually wound up writing for my term three um and <laughs> i did my pitch for it and the pitch we got Jim Fisher later than we were supposed to. So the pitch was like after we'd already kind of started putting together other materials for it. Like we've kind of gotten past pitch and then we went back to pitching 
And so I'd already put like a lot of work into it and figured out most of the story. And so my pitch changed a little bit. And when I pitched it, it was like, oh, it doesn't really work. And then you just started throwing out like all these other ideas for something that I already had like the outline for. <laughs> and so one of my classmates took a picture of me just looking miserable <laughs> 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 while I'm listening to a room full of people pitch out ideas to fix the thing that wasn't done yet. That was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was already kind of laid out, but wasn't just wasn't written yet. <laughs> so those those classes are they can be tough. But uh, but hopefully, like at least the basis of it, just the the pitch format and being able to put that together was helpful for you. Oh, definitely. Um, the school, like you said, like it, it it's there. You're blindfolded and they're guiding you down a set of stairs. Like yeah. you're gonna fall, but there's enough people around you that care about you to keep you from like really hurting Injuring yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just gonna get really scared for a second. You're still hitting that next step, but you're like gonna freak out between one step to the next. Yeah. Um, it, it was still so helpful and failing is the best way to learn, I think. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, and that's that's why they have you do so many projects, even when people aren't really ready to start making things. Like mm -hmm. term one, the, they just come in immediately and they're like, "Here's a nonfiction piece. Just go make this." And you're like, "I've never done anything like that before." And they're like, "Doesn't matter. Just go make it. We'll see what works." <laughs> that's a that seems to be like the theme here. See what works. Yeah. If it doesn't work, that's okay. But if it did, you found something that works for you mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have found without uh, yeah. exploring these new boundaries. Well, they eventually get you into trying to find your comedic voice, which is, I think, really a unique part of this is every other school that I've uh, ever done any kind of writing stuff or anything like that, it was more about writing within a given format and or w with a given angle or something like that. It wasn't about finding your format, finding your angle, finding your delivery method. And and that seemed, that's, that's the tough thing is that they can't just have somebody read your stuff or watch you in class and be able to say you're this kind of, of writer like you have to kind of find that for yourself and it's just through that trial and error reiteration just make more more and more stuff until you find that path yeah certainly um the thing that impresses me most about this school program is that you you're encouraged to do new things but that's a lot of places you're encouraged to support each other but that's a lot of places you're encouraged to fail and that's less places mm -hmm. but the real standout thing is like you said like shaping you as an individual how do you fit into what you want to do not how can we fit you into what right. you want to do um, you're a you're a puzzle piece, and you fit in this puzzle just somewhere, and we need yeah. to figure out where that is. We're not going to force you into the wrong spot, right? And it's it's interesting too because I think people learn different things based on their cohort, you know, and and the people that you're around because you're going to pick up things that you like or don't like from what they do, mm -hmm. and that that will end up influencing what you end up creating in the in the long run too. Uh, how is yellow so far? I love yellow. Yeah, it's a very nice group of people. Yeah. <laughs> We had our first uh, group shoot. We split off to shoot the improvised movie. Yeah. And it was a learning experience for sure. So was it like two units doing the same movie or was it... Same theme. We split our 15 people into two groups, an eight group and a seven person mm -hmm. group. And uh, then we went out and shot with the same theme for both groups. Okay. We haven't edited yet, but in editing... 
those two groups are split into four. So that way, they're each film will have two cuts. Interesting. We yeah, we didn't have that project, so that's something at least not oh, not with that reiteration. Okay. And part of that was I think because there were two cohorts, and also because both of our cohorts were twelve people. So uh, so we didn't we didn't have the same like number breakdown that that you all have to be able to go that size with it. Yeah, the cohorts have fluctuated from I think eleven to sixteen. Or something like that uh, in total numbers, and I think the next one coming in is supposed to be fourteen or fifteen as well. But uh, that'll be Violet. You heard that here first. <laughs> Interesting. You heard it first. <laughs> now I'm sure somebody else said it anyway. Hopefully, I don't get in trouble for that. We'll find out. <laughs> Julie will tell me. Um, stop announcing things beforehand. <laughs> it wasn't an announcement. Stupid color. <laughs> Speaking of announcements beforehand, we have uh, an exciting week. Yeah. I'm excited about yeah. this week. I'm excited about it every time we get cool guests coming in. So by the time that you're listening to this, uh, we will. It's a good chance when you're listening to this, we're probably meeting Jed Apatow <laughs> coming in. Yeah, because <laughs> that's supposed to happen tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, we're also we also have uh, Debbie Liebling from Comedy Central coming in. Mm-hmm. She's behind a ton of stuff uh, over the course of her career, like South Park and Idiocracy and just crazy, crazy big stuff. Um, and Holly Wartell coming in for a workshop uh, in the middle of the week to do uh, st- uh, writing for uh, for late night shows, that sort of thing. It's it's always impressive to me when I discover somebody that I know who they are. Yeah, like Debbie Liebling. Yeah. I recognize that name from my childhood, and yeah. then it was like until I heard it within the last couple weeks. I was like, well, I've heard that name before, but it, it's not registering who. Google search, find out, and then everything clicks, and it's yeah. it's so cool when that happens. Yeah, uh, that happened with uh, Jim Fisher. Jim yeah. Fisher worked on Rugrats. Oh, did he really? That was was Fisher. Yeah, Fisher was Rugrats. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that's right. The Jim that was that was on Rugrats. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, uh, he's and one of the writers for that. And it's or not Rugrats. No, was it Rugrats? What am I thinking of? No, no, Bobby's World. Bobby's World. Bobby's yeah, World. That's, that's what it was, not Rugrats. I'm yeah, sorry. That, that blew my mind, too. Bobby's World was one of my favorites when uh, I was young. And we are mid-discussion with him, and he just starts dropping Howie Mandel's name while working on this cartoon about a character he came up with. Yeah. And I think I was the only person in the room that remembered Bobby's World. But I, like, had that ear-to-ear smile yeah. going on. I slowly raised my hand, and I was like, are you talking about bobby's world right now (laughs) and you know he got the grin too and he was like uh yeah yeah that's the show yeah and so cool when that happens it's really an inspiration yeah and just and also to find out the people that are behind the stuff that they are they're not larger than life i think there's a certain there's a certain thought process that's like oh to be that funnier to create that thing that everybody's you know has in their childhood or something like that like you have to be this larger than life personality and a lot of times they're not you know mm-hmm. they're they're just another person to, to hang out and talk to um uh i love when we get um uh why am i blanking on his name from uh from mad tv uh coming in um dick dick, Blasucci. dick Blasucci. Yeah. yeah i, I love when we get dick in because he's he's just such a nice like affable dude and it's like oh you show ran mad tv this you know genre bending <laughs> crazy he's, show that that was on tv for years and years and years yeah and he's, he's not like he's not unapproachable 
he's sitting in a room with us students giving yeah. us notes on our sketches when he used to sit in a room with John Candy and give yeah. notes on the sketches. Exactly. And Keegan Michael Key and now us. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's insane to to put that together and just but it's cool too to realize, oh, it's not that far removed. Yeah, it brings the levels closer together yeah. when when they seem so much further apart. Yeah. Before that moment. So what was your what were your uh, your influences coming in? Like what what uh, what's your comedy uh, uh, diet look like? Uh, it's a healthy uh, comedy pyramid of <laughs> uh, Dan Harmon, okay, Tina Fey, Rebecca Sugar, and uh, I'm not familiar with that one. What Steven Universe, okay, creator and right. a longtime writer of Adventure Time. Isn't there? Uh, there's an overlap with that and some other show and it might be it's not is it rick and morty that rick and morty has a tie-in this is where i get this is my nerd section yeah, yeah. rick and morty has a tie-in with gravity falls a disney That's XD what it was. show yeah and there was a third one uh so i i think it it wasn't regular show but it was an alt that uh a, a different show that was picked up or that regular show was picked up instead of, but there were three shows that were all going to like have Be this on at the same time. And they were going to reference one another. Yeah. yeah. Now that's coming back. I remember that. It's like a portal where different elements from one show pop up from, it's like from Rick and Morty or from gravity falls, like a hat and notepad shows yeah. up in Rick and Morty. Which is just funny to think of, like, the audiences that they're going for are completely different. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. A Disney show and an adult sim show. But at the same time, Rick and Morty has kind of pulled that, that thread of, like, well, some some elderly people can enjoy this show and then um, the millennial generation and then uh, I don't know what the next generation is uh, called. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's supposed to be after millennials. It'll, no. They'll figure it out, and they'll, they'll uh, rename it like the eight end times. generation. There right? was there was one time I thought it was supposed to be like Generation Y, and then found out I I'm apparently on the old end of millennials because uh, okay. I was 83, and I think it's 1980 and later supposedly. Welcome, um, I welcome <laughs> you to the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a I'm not gonna say unfortunate group, but it's a weird group to be a part of. We on, have on the strength older in end. numbers. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's it's it, I, I don't know what they're gonna do for the next generation. That's that's weird. I, I, thought, I think thought they about call that. them the Revelation Generation. <laughs> <laughs> they're bringing around revelations. Yes, is that what you're saying? The end of the world is here. <laughs> the end of the world is nigh. <laughs> Well, uh, so what do you what what's the end goal for you coming out of this program? What do you want to do in the long run? Long run, I to ask you the you know the the graduation style question that that everybody gets when they get towards I, the end of school. As I stand before you all here today, <laughs> uh, I just practicing your valedictorian speech already. <laughs> I would really like to create my own television series and. Um, have enough success with those that I could then shoot a few features mm -hmm. as well. But I think my heart is in series at the moment. I'm I, I like diving into characters and I like diving into plot, but I really like uh, building some strong characters and just letting them live in a world that people enjoy to yeah. participate in. Yeah. So 
So have you have you ever written a pilot before? I have. Yes. I'm uh, to to bring it. I don't even know if I answered the question earlier. You asked me about my final project, and I just had that scared face, and we we <laughs> went into that conversation. I'm thinking about shooting a pilot that I've been working on for a web series for my final project. But okay. I don't know if it, I'm biting off more than I can chew. Okay. And What's the? Are, are you willing to pitch it or? Yeah. I'll, Since you're practicing pitches, I mean, you might go. as well. Hands is a comedy drama set in the world of local theater about an existential stagehand who is an aspiring television writer working at a bankrupting theater dealing with an impetuous director and an eclectic cast. Okay. All right. What's the existential... Is it was that the just existential crisis that they're having with, with their own life, or it's not necessarily a crisis. It's a a character trait. It's just the way this person views the world. Okay. Um, my main character is Native American, and they live with their best friend, who's African American, and these two, without too commonly referencing race as the root of a lot of their problems it's uh, the root of a lot of their problems okay the show deals with a lot of power dynamics and uh i i try to not be too in your face about it but it's it's there and i think that that in my mind that has led to two different people that lived very similar lives and one is very positive about all these situations and one is very negative about the same Mm -hmm. situations okay have you ever seen empire records i have not uh, you might watch that. The Lucas character sounds drifting towards where you're. Okay. Where, where you're thinking he's like Empire the, Records. The, yeah, he's like one of the main characters, and I think it's on Netflix or something at the moment. You can you can get it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a old it's an older movie. It's uh, um, Liv Tyler's in it, and um, Ethan Embry, uh, and I feel like there's two or three others that <coughs> I'm blanking on at the moment, but. Uh, no, it's 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 a it's a good one, but that that character sounds like in that vein, kind of so interesting. Uh, Do you ever write something and then because uh, this happens ten million times a year to me, uh, you you write something and then you pitch it to somebody and they're like, oh, that's this. Yes, but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily a bad thing uh is what they've what they've gotten okay. us into here is is the stand there's just there's a certain point where uh relatability is marketability so mm-hmm. if you can tie it back to something else and this, this is another pitch format that they're going to have you work on is is this idea of um it's this meets this and so you, you'd be able to say you know it's um so my <laughs> i have a, a a pilot that i wrote for uh, a show called time bar and it's uh, Quantum Leap meets It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and me just saying that, you now have an idea of yeah, that yeah. world, but it's entirely based on what you know about those two shows and right. how they how they blend together. So if I pitch it to somebody, they would say, oh, it's happening like Quantum Leap, or oh, they're a group just like Always Sunny. Yes, the answer is yes to both of those. And But right. that that inherently, those were two shows that were both very popular. Quantum Leap ran for a number of years. Uh, Always Sunny still still in, in its prime. You know, the that's something I can easily draw from and say, here's here's what makes it marketable is that it's it's like these other things that people already like, but because they're mashed together, it's something completely new. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I feel like it that is very true. It happens more with sketches that it's very specific. Like uh, it's a lot harder to if you have a similar sketch to something that somebody else has put out. I mm -hmm. see it happen a lot on SNL, honestly, uh, where where they have a sketch on there that's so close to something else, but there's only so many thoughts in yeah. in the world about a certain thing. And it's very likely that 10 years after the whitest kids you know put out a sketch about Call of Duty that Saturday Night Live comes out with the same sketch about Fortnite right. without ever seeing it. Right. Well, and, and even if they had seen it, it still doesn't make it non-relevant, you know? Right. Uh, if you go back to the... You know the the show shows days uh, with Sid Caesar. You know they they would do the same sketch year after year after year, just repeating it. You know, but updating it slightly uh -huh. and tweaking it slightly and making it more relevant to the current day and inserting you know uh, recent news footage and and stuff like that into it. That doesn't make it non relevant. It makes it just more relevant to whatever. Right, time. right. I think that as a writer, um, my feelings would be hurt <laughs> if I if I wrote a, an outstanding bit for a television show and then they fired me. But two years later, they're still running my bit or something. And like that's yeah. that's never happened to me. But just there's know, that just, fear. Yeah, there's that fear. That's my biggest fear. Cat will cat will eventually beat into you the idea that uh, um, you you're going to get something stolen like the, the, yeah. the there's no avoiding it somebody will seemingly take your idea or will actually take your idea and either way you can't get hung up on it because getting hung up hung up on it stops your career but doesn't stop them you know yeah it's not the only idea you if it's the exactly. only idea you'll ever have you aren't a great yeah whatever you are you weren't gonna make it anyways mm -hmm. <laughs> true <laughs> so there's gonna be other stuff uh that's gotta be coming so it's more about being prolific and getting to the point where why would somebody steal your thing when they could just get you and have you yeah you know bolster that thing and create 10 other things yeah cat's wonderful cat uh the first time we had class with cat o'brien she said like she instilled the idea in that class to us that nothing is precious like you have no idea in your head that is going to like just immediately win an Oscar. Like yeah. nothing that you're holding on to right now is going to be your Hamilton. And yeah. if it is, like you're gonna have to work ten years on it like Lin Manuel Miranda did. It's not Exactly. You're not cultivating Hamilton in your head right now. Yeah, it's like likely. nobody's first script is going to get sold. Mm -hmm. Like it, as as much as you as you may love what you end up creating out, out of this class and like it's not going to happen. Even if it right. does happen, it's not going to happen. Like you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like it, was it J.J. Abrams? His first script was regarding Henry or something like that, and sold that one, and that became like a Harrison Ford movie. Uh, and but that's that. That's, that's you J. have J. to go Abrams. back to fucking J.J. Abrams and regarding Henry to get something that's like uh -huh. a relevant example of that happening. It just it doesn't fucking happen. The it's more likely you get a seth rogan character that climbs the ranks and then reverts back to the things that he wrote when he was in high school with a friend and punches up you know pineapple express and super bad and things like that and makes them makes them into movies that uh that, that yeah makes these college short films into features right and figures out how to how to grow that world out mm -hmm. um but yeah you just it's it's reiteration a little bit by little bit so, so you want to do TV? Is it show running or, uh, or is it just writing for within somebody else's world? I, oh gosh, I I would want to create the worlds and then uh, 
show run by credit, but not have to deal with those pressures because ju- just based on, <laughs> I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts and interviews of showrunners that I admire, and boy, do they love writing, and boy, do they not like working. You know, same as me, like yeah. work and work when when you just want to be an idea person. Yeah, but that's not the way that the job works. So absolutely. I want to be a showrunner so that way you get to I can be the person that's like this show is about this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to direct TV. That's my that yeah. Be, yeah, like that I, I love being able to just pop in do like three episodes of something and then pop back out, you know. Yeah. Somebody like uh Bobcat Goldthwait or Jay Chandrasekhar or somebody like that that just has that career where they come by, do three episodes of a series and then walk away like Chandra Sekar did nine episodes of Community. So a bunch of episodes. And it's not like the necessarily the banner ones that you think of, but still he came back for nine episodes uh-huh. of, frankly, the greatest series in, in my mind. Um, and he's he's done a bunch of other stuff too. New Girl, he did seven episodes of that. Uh, Fresh Two Off the Boat, the Goldbergs. Yeah. He's done 18 episodes of Goldbergs. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, he's... But that's that's the kind of career I would love to, to have. Just... Yeah. He's got a litany of the series that he's popped in and directed and gets to walk away from, you know, with with having worked with those characters, worked in that world, had some fun with it, and then moved on to the next thing. And he's always got Broken Lizard in his back pocket, too. That's always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, not only as a the thing that boosts him, but mm-hmm. as a return. Like, if you ever are... That's that's a, a I think that's a great person to look up to. Yeah. Oh, if, yeah. if you're ever tired of writing television, just go back to Broken Lizard and yeah. make another great. Movie I had with my him. fingers crossed so bad that, that he was going to come with the with the Broken Lizard guys when they came, but it was. Uh, oh, they we, came here. Yeah, yeah. So we had um, uh, to reference Super Troopers because that's the easy one. We had Rabbit, Foster, and Mac all all came. Oh, the great. those three guys, um, Paul Soder. Um, uh, uh, Steve Lemmy and uh, uh, Eric Stolhansky. Um and uh, and they all came and, and did like a a Q and A thing with us. That's so uh, cool. But I was like, oh, I'd, I'd, like take it or leave it on on Kevin Heffernan. I'm, I'm you know uh, uh, I'm okay with that one. But <laughs> I was hoping Chandra Sekar was going to be there because they were apparently all in town. They were doing the press tour for Super Troopers too. Uh, and I was like, oh, so so sad when he wasn't there. That'd have been cool. <laughs> like, no, not to take away from the other guys, but that's like one of my like, you know, yeah. directing idols. <laughs> yeah, I think that you can tell a lot about somebody when you find out the kind of like they're they're like top three mm-hmm. admirable entertainment people. Somebody that wants to be in the entertainment industry, at least. Yeah. Uh, like, it, yeah, it 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 tells a lot, and. That that tells a lot. I think that's it's not a bad thing. I think that that uh, Jay is a very admirable person in what I know about him. I don't yeah. know anything uh, bad about his personal life, which is always good in 2018. It's, if you don't he's know, he's a family guy. He's got yeah. kids and you know, wife and kids and everything, and seems to seems to be doing okay. You know, by Hollywood standards. It's <laughs> 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 always a nice little caveat you can put on that. I'm. I think that we have a a good time to Mm -hmm. come in. Um, It seems like they're like wiping the slate clean with a lot of people, not just a generation of people dying, but Mm -hmm. a younger generation of people getting uh, not really arrested, but like 
slapped on the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's uh, the the group ahead of us is is getting uh, thinned. The the herd thinned. is being thinned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trimming trimming the uh, evil fat. <laughs> but it opens up doors. Yeah. No, I think that's true, and I I'm you know I I'm still waiting for the first person out of this program to strike something big like we've had a few people now get hired for for different shows and and uh, are working on you know known series now oh, yeah uh but we haven't had anybody De- debbie actually hired one of the um her, the series one of the series she's developing now a former graduate of the program Alyssa, uh is working with with her uh, Alyssa Wilden. Very um, cool. Do you know so, what Alyssa is doing? Uh, there's a there's a press release. You can find it online. Uh, that that uh, especially if you go to the Harold Ramis page, they they've got it on there because uh, cool. they like to to advertise past successes for yeah. obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, she's she's doing that. We've got a couple of people that are producing on different things. A lot of, a lot of PAs on on different projects. Uh, but uh, I feel like eventually it's just going to be one person that sells a script or. Gets yeah. a showrunner spot for something or directs something that goes viral or something like that. Yeah, I feel like in today's age, it seems like viral video mm-hmm. or, um, you know, viral video can go a couple ways, really. I feel like it's viral video or know somebody, yeah. but, but your viral video can... Uh, be a festival winner that goes around and, you know, gets some attention that way or like the i'm spacing her name right now miranda sings the Mm -hmm. character uh from the television show haters back off Mm -hmm. is a youtube character created um and uh this youtuber colleen ballinger i think Mm -hmm. uh created this character as like to to just she worked at disney and was making fun of some of the snooty girls that she worked with and would make make these videos and then it went viral and kept going and going and yeah she had enough views that she came up with a series idea and uh, sold it to Netflix, and yeah. it, it got two seasons. And it's like you you jump from Disney perform like performer at Disney World, yeah, to YouTube video maker to you have a show on Netflix, and now yeah. she's got that be under her belt of like the sh- I think the show got canceled. It did get canceled at the end of season two. So, uh, but even so, you got yeah. a you got a show. You got, exactly, <laughs> you, you know, got a show two seasons. That's you're now an experienced creator that could go create something the next thing, and theoretically, the next thing you're gonna apply what you learned in the first one, and mm-hmm. you know, go bigger and bolder with it. But, well, sweet. Uh, well, all right. So, kind of in wrapping up here, if people want to try and track you down, follow along, see what you're doing as uh, as the yellow cohort advances, uh, where where can they find you? Um, quick plug. You can find me November 11th, 18th, and 25th of 2018 in, in Judy's <laughs> Just in case Beach. you're listening to this years down the road. Yeah, for those future <laughs> listeners. Uh, November 11th, 18th, and 25th in Judy's Beat Lounge. Uh, it's a sketch show sequel rights that I'm producing. I'm directing some scenes in it. And then I, I, I wrote some of the scenes and I'm performing in some of the scenes. Nice. And what was it called? Sequel rights. Sequel rights. Okay. Like, like secondary, you yes. know? Yeah. Not as important sometimes. Gotcha. They, they're just as important, but people don't consider them. That's the whole idea. It's an equal rights themed sketch show. All right. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Haas Applesauce. H-A-A-S. Apple. S-A-A-S. Like a pun on my last name. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Yep. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. 
That was Matt Haas. Thank you to Matt and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was Wake Me Up by Derek Avery. Find more of Derek's killer music at DerekEvery.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-E-V-R-Y. This show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, my teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com where you can also find links to all of our past episodes. See you all next week. Class dismissed.